Today on the Pilot Wife podcast, our show is titled Aviation-Induced Divorce Syndrome with Laughlin Legal PC. I'm honored to bring you four legal professionals from the Laughlin Legal Law Group in California. I've got Amy Laughlin, Rose Jamili, who is also a pilot wife, Stephanie Wong, and um, Caitlin Lee. All four of them are professionals in the law firm of Laughlin Legal. And again, they operate in the state of California, but we're going to be covering some great information in terms of how to prepare yourself ahead of time if you're just getting married or considering getting married, how to protect yourself if divorce is entering into the equation right now as part of the conversation, um, and different things to be looking for. And of course, we do touch on that sensitive topic, are pilots more likely to cheat? Is infidelity the biggest cause of divorce? And I'm happy to share with you that this is not the case. So um, as you know from me sharing before on this topic, I'm a huge advocate of marriage, saving marriages, and I don't personally believe that the uniform itself or the job makes one more likely to involve themselves in infidelity or lead to divorce. We're going to talk a little bit about mental health. We're going to talk about lack of intimacy, and we're going to talk about finances and some of those things that are typically the leading cause of divorce. Welcome to the Pilot Wife Podcast, your ongoing checklist for navigating your best life as a pilot wife and aviation family. I'm your co-captain, Jackie Elmer. I've been a pilot wife for over three decades and can't imagine any other lifestyle. On the show, you'll hear stories, experiences, tips, advice, interviews with other pilot wives, pilots, aviation professionals, non-revving and travel experts also on this journey. Yes, it's a mixed bag of goods, but what life isn't? I'm here to bring you the best that the aviation life has to offer. If you have a topic suggestion, a story to share on the show, details are at the end. And if you want the Pilot Wife Survival Guide and Checklist, go to pilotwifechecklist.com. Now, stow your baggage, strap in, and let's unpack the Pilot Wife life. Welcome everybody to the Pilot Wife podcast. And as I mentioned in the introduction, I am pleased to be bringing you some great counsel and ideas and tips for you on navigating divorce or considering divorce or the different options, perhaps even that you may be exploring before you get married. Uh, because infidelity and divorce was one of the most requested topics when I put it out there in the Facebook and pilot wife groups. Um, Rose Jamili came forward and said, Hey, you know, let's have a conversation we did. And that is what has led to today's show. So I'm introducing Rose Jamili and Amy Laughlin of the Laughlin legal group. They're in California. Um, Amy, why don't I turn it over to you? Tell us a little bit about you and introduce the firm. Sure. Thanks so much for having us here today, Jackie. We really appreciate this opportunity to reach out to your community. My name is Amy Laughlin, and I am the founder and managing partner of Laughlin Legal. We are a high-touch, high-service um, divorce practice located in Northern California. We are Our services are sought out by um, uh, those who are getting divorced throughout the state of California, particularly for our expertise in child custody disputes. 
but we are also very astute at handling um, high net worth divorce cases as well in the Bay Area. So I'd like to pass it over to my um, managing associate, uh, Rose, who will take it from here. Uh, thank you, Amy. So my name is Rose Shamili. I'm a pilot wife. I've actually celebrated my uh, second anniversary just about, I think, four days ago. It's kind of been busy at the office, so I forget my time. But <laughs> um, so uh, January 2nd was my second anniversary, but I've been with my pilot husband now for about five years. Um, he works with Republic Airways. He's been there uh, since we first got married. So for about two, a little bit over two years, we have a three-year-old child together. And also I have uh, twins from a prior marriage who are 15 year, old, year olds now. So I'm in a lot of the pilot wise groups. I'm in the multiple pilot wise group, young pilot wise group. And then of course our main group, the pilot wise club and, and the little ones here and there too, they're a lot of fun. So I've been now with uh, Amy Laughlin's office for about um, just, I think a little bit over four months now, but I, I can absolutely just say that they're an amazing firm. They have knowledge in everything from adoptions, um, wills and trusts, estate planning, and then of course the topic of divorces as well. I've personally um, been practicing now for about almost three years. And um, I've been in the divorce process, the family law practice for almost about, I think I'm coming up 19 or 20 years. So I started off initially at a solo practitioner's office. Um, I was a paralegal, uh, uh, the manager of the office as well. Um, I've been divorced twice. So I've also been you know, a party to the actions twice. And uh, then I decided to go off to law school. So I'm coming up on 20 years, but practicing for three. And I'm going to turn it over now to Caitlin. Caitlin is our partner at Laughlin. Thanks so much for having us. Um, my name is Caitlin Lee. I am a uh, partner at Laughlin Legal. I have been practicing family law for about eight years now, and I was formerly a family lawyer in Massachusetts and now back in California, which is my native state. Um, I handle everything from divorce to uh, domestic violence restraining orders to premarital and postmarital agreements and some trust and estate planning. Hi, my name is Stephanie. I am the uh, associate at Laughlin Legal. Um, I've been barred as an attorney for almost two years now, and I've been at Laughlin Legal for a little over one. I'm very happy to be here. And before I get into the questions, Amy or Rose, I don't know if either one of you want to provide a disclaimer, just so everybody's very clear on what our role is here and what you're actually receiving. Amy, sure. did you want to do that? Okay. Yeah, sure. Um, every legal situation is very different, and we want to make sure that you know that we are not providing legal advice to anyone today. We're here to have just a general conversation and give you our impressions um, uh, of the history of, of work with, with pilot wives and just divorce in general. And, um, and we are not providing legal advice. If you are seeking legal advice, we are happy for those who have participated in this conference to provide a 30 minute free consultation um, with a member of our firm. Great. Okay. So with that in mind and proceeding, of course, 
um, you know, it's a sensitive topic and it's not a happy topic. No one wants to go into marriage thinking about divorce. And yet the statistic rate is high. I think in 2020, the stats that I pulled state that despite the fact that the rate of marriage is declining faster than rates of divorce, um, it's predicted that somewhere between 40 and 50% of all marriages existing today will likely end in divorce. Rose, you already mentioned, um, you're a twice victim and now you're on your third happily ever after situation. I'm certainly hopeful. Um, and I have a divorce under my belt too, way, way years ago. I'm 33 years a pilot wife, but before that I had what we call a practice marriage. Um, so aviation is certainly no different. Um, thus the title of the show, you know, aviation induced divorce syndrome. So tell us a little bit about your experience about divorce in general and perhaps how aviation fits into that. And we'll talk about some of the statistics around that. I'm sure. So um, I know that with the posts on our Facebook group, a lot of pilot wives talk about infidelity. Um, there's a lot of uh, you know hopeful pilot wives or ones that are just recently engaged and they're asking about what is it like to be a pilot wife? Is this the lifestyle that I want? So I definitely think that as far as being a pilot wife, it's difficult because you have a husband who's gone for, um, or sometimes a wife, for stretches of four to five days. Um, you know, I, I know that if you do cargo, it's more so about two weeks on, two weeks off. So it's definitely difficult because of the time uh, that they're away. But at the same time, too, I mean, I think really it just comes down to the marriage itself and the person. So I know that with my husband, he's gone a lot. Um, when I first started at Laughlin Legal, he was actually in training on the, the East Coast. We're here on the West Coast. So he was gone for about three months, but he would come home intermittently for about two days or three days on. But the time that he is home, he's a parent and he's a husband 100% of the time. So the statistics are, are bad as far as divorces go. I mean, you get into a marriage, you always have that, that chance that, well, my spouse might cheat. And with the pilot being gone for long stretches of time, there's a lot of fear and concern that, well, what is he doing? You know, he's he hasn't called me yet. He hasn't texted me. And it drives you insane. I mean, I know that when my husband told me um, initially he wanted to become a commercial airline pilot, I was livid. <laughs> I, I thought, no. I mean, even before I began dating him, my, my mother always told me growing up, don't date a pilot and don't date a, someone in the Navy because they cheat on you. But when I met my husband, my mother absolutely just loved him and she knew that he wanted to be a pilot. And I said, mom, you know, you told me that pilots, the pilots, they cheat, don't marry one. And she was, you know, she told me, look, you know, people cheat, people cheat all the time, but it depends on the person. And I really like him. I get a really good vibe. I think he might be the one. So as far as on the divorce rates, I mean, it's high because not so much because they're cheating, but also because they're gone a lot. Um, a lot of pilot wives are stuck at home. Some of them have full-time careers and it's really hard to juggle and there's a lot of burnout. So I don't necessarily think that the, the rate of divorce for pilots, I mean, I, I think what was the rate again? It was about. Well, it says 40 to 50% of all marriages all marriages existing today end in divorce. Mm -hmm. uh, and then of course, Men's Health 2021, May 2021 reports that aviation, including pilots and flight attendants are the number two profession most likely to cheat. But even that statistic came in at 19%. So 19% roughly cheat. So I, I guess that kind of leads to the question, what do you believe is the primary cause of divorce 
period. Sure. I mean, Amy, Caitlin, Stephanie, if you want to chime in, go ahead. Um, but in, in my experience in my practice, um, I, and, and also just being involved in the family law process for so many years, I, I, I've only really ran into about maybe three pilot divorces this whole time. I mean, I've had a lot of lawyer divorces. I've had um, a tech industry, um, a lot of doctors, but it's not necessarily because of cheating. It's more so they're busy. Their spouses feel like they've, uh, they're neglected. And also they're at home with the children all the time. And sometimes you build a lot of resentment and there's a lack of communication, of course. So in my experience, it's more so it, it could be finances and also it can be neglect too. But, you know, Amy, Caitlin, Stephanie, what about you guys? Yeah, I think a I, lot. Oh, sorry. Go ahead, Amy. Um, yeah, I, I don't see infidelity as the primary reason for divorce very often. In fact, it's really very rare. Um, I will see lack of intimacy as a cause of divorce. That seems to be a huge underlying complaint of men. You know, they will come and they will say very frequently, very open about it. I have not um, been intimate with my wife in 10 years or five years or whatever, and, and a real sadness there because of that. So um, that that I see as a cause of divorce um, right there, particularly for men, but also for women. But I definitely hear men complain about that more. Um, so I, I can count on one hand, and I've been doing this for a long time, where infidelity has been the cause of, of the divorce. Just quickly, and then I definitely want to hear from Caitlin and Stephanie, on that note with lack of intimacy, in your experience, I realize you're not a therapist, so I'm not trying to put another thing on you, but, but does that lead to infidelity and does that come out in the divorce process ever? Any experience with that? I think it does lead to infidelity, quite, quite frankly, because the cases where there has been infidelity, the husband has said, I was just, you know, looking somewhere else because I wasn't getting any physical contact with my, with my wife. Um, so, and what was the second half of your question, Jackie? I'm sorry. That really was it. Just, yeah. did you experience, because of lack of in intimacy, leading to infidelity and that coming out in the process during the divorce. Yeah. Yeah. And I, you know, and again, I'm not a therapist, so I don't know if it's the cause or, or the result of something else, but, you know, I've always heard therapists um, tell couples, you know, here you have, you, you might have your marriage and things aren't going well, but the intimacy side, you should really try to hold on to and fake it till you make it, you know, um, just see that as a, as a separate component um, that's important to the foundation of your marriage. All right. Caitlin, I think you had something to weigh in on. I did. I did. I not so much on the infidelity part, but I will say pilots, among many other industries, I think have a very high stress job. Mm -hmm. uh, I think there's very high levels of depression, frankly. Um, and that sort of ties into my broader category. I have three main, actually very strong thoughts about the reasons for a divorce. And I would fall into, they would fall into three categories. One is mental health issues. Um, and that can be a broad array of issues. Uh, which have been, I think, majorly exacerbated during the pandemic. <clears throat> uh, 
Um, the second topic I think that is a leading cause of divorce is substance abuse. And the third, I would say, is broadly under the category of financial mistrust or abuse. Um, so hiding assets, moving money, spending, I don't know, spending money on extramarital affairs and that coming out later, I don't know. People do all sorts of things, they're hiding money abroad and, and you know, it can create a lot of distrust and confusion and frankly, a lot of problems during your divorce as well. I just want to hit quickly, um, Stephanie, before we move on to you, it's interesting that you brought up the mental health piece because just a couple of shows back, I actually interviewed a therapist and it was specifically about mental health in the flight deck and how um, stigmatized it is in general. It's a touchy subject, but it's certainly touchy within the pilot, the aviation community because of their FAA medical and requirements and what do you reveal and what's going to get you in trouble. So can you just speak briefly um, when you say mental health, can you give us some ideas of what that entails or maybe even signs to look for? And I'm not looking to breach any confidentiality, but just if you have some general thoughts to share. Well, it's always a little scary. I, I'm thinking of particular instances when there were young children involved um, and there were, emerge, I'm gonna call them emergency mental health crises involving the police or involving um, 5150 holds or you know, anytime that someone has to be placed involuntarily into a psychiatric hold is, is quite scary and traumatic for the whole family. Um, uh, we've had quite a few cases of bipolar disorder um, impacting our divorces and domestic violence restraining orders this year. And so I was thinking particularly of those cases, um, but things I think to look out for is, you know, if your spouse is suddenly acting, you know, very out of character, um, uh, <laughs> You know, I, there. I'm not a mental health professional, but certainly you could, you could try to get them some or encourage them to seek professional help. That's what I would do, and I, I do that for all of my clients. Anyways, I think it's hugely beneficial um, from the outset of any legal action, particularly a divorce and legal separation. It's just really good for someone for you to be able to process your emotions and go through it and and sort of gain your own independence back. Caitlin, you, you raised such a great point and it, um, it, it happens so frequently, Jackie, somebody comes into our office and they're describing a situation. You know, my wife has been so great all along and, you know, suddenly these things are happening. And so I want a divorce and I'm thinking to myself, this is not a divorce scenario. This is a mental health crisis you know, and very often we have gotten the opposing party mental health care and the family recovers and goes forward. So those are great moments to have, um, but having the ability to recognize what's what is really important. I love that approach from a perspective of let's try to save a marriage first before we go through with divorce. That is, that, that just, speaks to my heart. I just have to say that. Yeah. Yeah, no, absolutely. Me too. Those are, those are great moments when, when it doesn't happen and the family is saved and preserved. 
Stephanie, you've been waiting patiently. Thank you. <laughs> Thank you. Um, so I think everyone already expressed most of the points that I also agree with. Um, piggybacking off of what Amy said, um, I do see a lot of, and they are men as well, um, who complain that there are, there's lack of intimacy or they, they kind of stayed in a more um, discreet way and they'll say, you know, we don't talk anymore. We don't do anything together anymore. Um, and then you just kind of draw the lines there. Um, I think underlying that, though, um, the, the lack of intimacy is uh, maybe communication. I do believe that communication and lack of attentiveness really does bring that um, into play, um, which also does touch on the points that Caitlin brought together, too, because, you know, communication, um, attentiveness, that also allows the spouse to understand um, their spouse and what they're going through, the mental health issues, substance abuse issues, that can resolve a few things. So um, I think those things are very important, too. All right. Rose, when we spoke, um, we had a great conversation when we spoke but prior to scheduling the show. You talked a little bit about the three realities, and I ascribe to thee as well. So can you can you share a little bit about those three realities, what they are and um, your perception on them? Sure. Um, so, you know, to bring you in the loop and Amy, Caitlin, Stephanie. So when I was talking about the three realities to Jackie, um, I, I think it was a Friday. So, and I was telling her the reason why we're so attentive with our clients and we call back within 30 minutes or you know, we respond to an email at least, you know, within a very short time frame, is because sometimes uh, people come up with these ideas in their head, especially over the weekends about what is my spouse doing or what is my ex-husband doing? Um, you know, are the, are the kids over at the, the house with, with the new woman? What in the world is going on? And then by the time they come to us on a Monday, then they're heated. They want to file a motion because they've had all these things spinning in their heads uh, throughout the weekend. So I, I was telling Jackie that uh, for prior clients, I always tell them to try to you know, minimize or you know, not minimize their feelings, but try to diminish the, the hostility, the anger, whatever it may be going on and try to rationalize with them and say, look, you know, I always think there's three truths or three realities to what's actually going on. There's what's going on in your head, what's going on in the other person's head, and then what is the actual truth. So um, I think in the context of Pilot Wives too, we sit around, we start spinning, and you know, coming from like reading all the posts that we have too, they're thinking they're in their bedrooms or in their hotel rooms, and they're with a the flight attendant right now, and and maybe you're searching infidelity on the Pilot Wives page and flight attendants, etc. But these are really things that are just going on in your head. And I believe um, in women's intuition. Um, I am pretty sure that you have males that, you know, watch your podcast too. But I, I do believe in a strong intuition. So sometimes you have to separate. And I do this with my husband as well. I separate out, is this my paranoia? Do I think he's doing this? Or is this like, you know, my strong gut feeling? And I really, truly believe that he's having an affair. And I mean, I, I even tell some of my sisters, don't call your husband after you watch Cheaters in the afternoon, because it's going to be ugly. Like, no, you need to like tone it down, call them two hours for leave them alone. Um, or, or even my friends, I, I tell them all the time, be very careful with your group of friends, because you might have that one friend that's there and says, you know, how are you married to a pilot? You, you're an amazing mom, you're an amazing woman, you have this great career. But then they also throw in the whole, and, and don't you worry about cheating? 
So really be careful about um, what people instill in your head and, and just remember the three truths or the three realities of, you know, you have your own um, ideas in your head of what might be going on. He might have the same issues too. He might have the same thoughts. What is she doing when she's at home? Is, is, is she with another man or, or, you know, or the pilot might be a woman too, but, but regardless, it's, it's just a matter of, um, you know, don't jump on, on all of these ideas that go through in your head really just hone it back and say, is there honestly a real reason as far as why I should distrust my spouse or is this just a fleeting thought? So talk to us about what are some divorce options, if you will, or what, what are some things to think about in that area? Um, Amy, do you want to go ahead and chime yeah, in? On what yeah. So um, divorce options are you can represent yourself. And interestingly, about 70% of all uh, litigants in California are what is called pro per, meaning they represent themselves. I don't recommend going that route, particularly if you own a home or you have any sort of su substantial assets or you may be entitled to child or spousal support. The second option is to find a mediator who can um, mediate a settlement between, between the two of you. That generally works really, really well as long as you don't have someone that overpowers the other person or has insight into the financials that you're never going to get during a mediation because mediation is outside of litigation there's not a lot of discovery that goes on it's you sitting together with a mediator who can't provide legal advice to either of you to help you come to a resolution in the divorce the third option is you each hire your own attorneys and that doesn't mean that it has to be a super adversarial process uh, you may never, ever spend a day in court. You hire an attorney that's really good and you hope your, your spouse does the same. Um, I think the better the attorney, the faster and easier things can go for the most part. Um, and, and the attorneys work together along with the parties to come up with a resolution to the case. Sometimes we can't, and then we have to go to court and ask for the court to, to decide on certain issues. So much better if you can decide the issues yourself, whether it's with a mediator or your own attorney, as opposed to having a judge come in and, for example, make a ruling on child custody that's heard about your kids for what we call on the 20-minute calendar heard about your kids in 20 minutes, you know, your teenagers that have been with you for 11, 12, 13 years, whatever, making a decision in 20 minutes, um, as opposed to the two parents making it together. There is a fourth, fourth option called collaborative law. We do not practice it. I don't, I don't, um, it's fairly similar to mediation and I don't, I don't see a lot of that going on in California. So those, those are the basically the four options. Is there a percentage that typically goes to court? Like, is there a rough idea of the percentage that moves forward in that direction? You know, that's a really good question, Jackie. I, I, um, we're litigators, so we're also mediators. So we see, we see a lot. Um, I don't know. I don't know the answer to that. I would say in about 
50 to 60% of our cases are the, the court is involved. Wow, that's high. Yeah, it is, it is high. And we always start out, I mean, we always start out taking a case, calling up the opposing attorney, saying, let's work amicably together for this family. Can we figure out a way through this? Just try to keep it, you know, as calm and um, as little litigation as possible. But it takes two people to resolve an issue. We can't resolve it on our own. We, you know, we need two people to sign the sign the, the bottom line. And if this person over here is being unreasonable or recalcitrant about what they want, we've got to go to the court and let them decide. And you know, we do a lot of that work. But I prefer to to never step in court. You know, um, if not needed. I was going to say the court also will will automatically schedule hearings to keep the case moving forward. So one of the first steps, I think it's within six months of filing, the court will automatically in California schedule you for a status conference. Um, so it will basically encourage the parties and the attorneys to keep the case on track. And so assuming that resolution is happening, that you just cancel the date and right. Yeah. Okay. When, speaking of, of resolution, if you have a case that's been languishing and nothing is getting done, this is, we have a lot of people come to us from other, from other firms. I mean, something is terribly wrong. <laughs> you know, we have a meeting every Monday and for the most part, we're all thinking about what can we do to get these cases resolved? Because it's really hurtful to families to be going through this process and really expensive. So you know, unless it's a really complex case, there's not really a reason that it shouldn't be resolved within a year. All right. So I kind of started this saying, you know, nobody wants to go into a marriage thinking about divorce, but it's a reality that happens. So what are some ways, because this is one of the questions that I've been asked is to gather some data on, you know, how do, how do we how do people go about setting themselves up correctly from the start of a marriage, not to assume that the worst is going to happen, but to plan for the worst, I guess, and expect and hope for the best. Um, thoughts on that. And before we start, Jackie, on that question, um, I just want to note too that Caitlin, she just got married. So congratulations, Caitlin. <laughs> and Stephanie also just got engaged. So congrats there too. But um, the reason why also I invited them is because they we're all in different as or you know, different stages of our marriages too. So I thought that as far as uh, preparing, we can talk about what we've done to prepare in our marriage or our future marriage in Stephanie's case. And um, you know, things that we think about. And from a family law perspective, too, I mean, are there certain things that we do because we know what might happen in the event of divorce that we do to protect ourselves? So anyone want to chime in? <laughs> yeah, I mean, what did you guys do, Caitlin and Stephanie, in advance of and you know you haven't gotten married yet, Stephanie and Rose, too? What did you what did you do, if anything, in advance of your marriage and, and why? or intend to do? Well, I'm just really, oh, go ahead, Caitlin. Go ahead. <laughs> I was just going to say, I was really curious um, for you, Caitlin, because, you know, your partner here at Laughlin Legal, mm -hmm. you have a lot of knowledge, especially about prenup agreements. And mm -hmm. I, I want to know, what did you do to prepare for your marriage? <laughs> I know. <laughs> I, we actually, so it's very funny. I, um, 
my wife joked a lot about prenups before we got married. And I, I, we had a pretty clear cut conversation with our financial advisors um, and like between us uh, talking about what made sense and how we were going to, you know, split expenses or whatever during our marriage. And I offered um, many times to, to, enter into a prenup because um, <laughs> I didn't want her to feel disadvantaged because I know California family law and she doesn't. Um, and ultimately we decided not to, not to do a prenup. So I'm, I'm going in, uh, I guess, uh, not naively, but I, I'm very clear in terms of what would happen if we got a divorce without a prenup. Um, I encouraged her to meet with a family lawyer and I would encourage anyone who's you know, going to get married to do so, just so you understand what your rights are, if nothing else. Um, and whether you're actually go forward with the prenup, it's totally your decision. I would encourage you to, though, um, just to, it, it gives everyone a roadmap, frankly, as to what happens in the event of a separation uh, or divorce. And it makes things a lot smoother and clear cut um, on the other end of things when you do bring in attorneys as well. Uh, in the event of a separation, less less litigation, less fighting at the end of the road. So it is it is important to enter into a prenup, and I would encourage everyone to do so, even though I didn't do so myself. Mm-hmm. Um, personally, we just decided and uh, to open up a joint account. Um, so we're each keeping our own separate accounts. We created one joint account, paying you know our common expenses from that. I think that's a pretty common route to go uh, for a lot of families. And is that so recommending the prenup? I mean, again, keep in mind, I've been married 33 years. It's like neither one of us really had anything but a big vision of how life was going to go. I mean, prenups were things that only, you know, huge celebrities and people with a ton of money did. So that wasn't even anything that was on the table for us. So I'm just curious now in the current environment, um, is that recommended for anyone, regardless of any assets they have? Is, Is it more recommended based on uh, mutual earning capacities, what one's earning versus the other. Enlighten us a little bit about that part. Yeah, I'll, I'll jump in here. Um, a, pr- a prenup in your situation, Jackie, really wasn't going to be helpful at all because, and, in, in, you know, you're coming into the marriage, you said everything that you, you didn't really bring anything into the marriage and everything you made is, is community property now. So you, if you ever got a divorce, it would be very straightforward. <laughs> you know, it's funny because long-term marriages where people came into the marriage with, with nothing are super easy to resolve because you're just splitting those assets right down the middle and everybody's taking their piece and walking away. Um, where it gets more complicated is you have younger people marrying who are coming in, they founded a business in Silicon Valley, you know, they've got assets from their parents, anything like that, that has to, that, that really has to be taken care of prior to the marriage so that there's an expectation on both sides, like, Hey, am I going to get part of this business if we get divorced? And what about the business partners? What about the founding partners? Do they want so-and-so's wife or husband to suddenly be their partner if you know their existing partner gets divorced? So all that has to be thought through. Um, the other case is people um, like myself and my husband, I've been married five, five years now, 
I have like the most rock solid prenup you've ever seen <laughs> because I came into the marriage, you know, I'd built a law firm. I had my assets and my retirement and this and that. And, you know, I was like, I love you, but there's no way in hell you're getting one penny from me. <laughs> you know, if at the end of the day we divorce because he's got his own life that he's built over this time. And, and so I wanted to make that very clear. And I, and I tell people, I think it's kind of, romantic in a way because you really have to disclose your assets to somebody you know disclose if you're coming in late in life there's no mystery about what's there and what's not there because if you don't disclose it you might in a prenup you might lose it at the end of the day so I had to show him everything that I had and including your liabilities and he has to show me everything he has and um, I know there's no foreign bank accounts or anything like that going on. So it can be a real bonding e experience in, in that way. Um, Stephanie, what, do you think you're going to get a prenup? What are your thoughts about all this? <laughs> well, it's funny what Kaylin said, um, that how like, you know, her and her wife, like they joked about the prenup. Um, me, me and my um what's he called now a fiance yeah. <laughs> me and my fiance we we did joke a lot about or we continue to joke a lot about family law issues um and it's it's really funny to me um and he enjoys it in the beginning but then he gets really upset <laughs> because <I think> he's <laughs> yeah um <clears throat> I did bring up the idea of getting a prenup with him um but he's totally against it he's like no way that's not happening and he's he's more of those um one of those who thinks that you know we'll never get separated none of that it, we'll never need it so I'm just thinking you know might as well go in without a prenup I know it's you know not advised for but um well me and my partner we actually acquired property before marriage too and we don't have prenup we don't have anything so there's a lot of things that's like going on and I it just got like stays in my head as like a moving piece, like, oh, look, we acquired a condo together. We're about to get married. Um, we have parents who are helping us with the improvements and we aren't keeping a good accounting of what that is. And it's all um, really is a little bit hectic for me, a little bit stressful, but I'm trusting the process. The reason why is because me and my um, fiance, we're very, it's really in our personalities. Um, I do believe that if we get, you know, once we get married, if we get divorced, that neither of us will be very litigious. I think we'll be very amicable and we don't have like the very like um, litigious vibe to each other. Um, so it's it's really all about trust. <laughs> yeah. Wow, that's interesting. That's makes no. I, I want you to jump back in, but it, for me, I guess on the one hand, it's kind of reassuring. It's it's kind of like the cobbler's kids who has no shoes. It's like. <laughs> a couple of legal people who are saying ah what the hell i'm gonna throw caution to the wind so anyway <laughs> <laughs> but Jackie, if i can chime in too so i mean i have three points one's kind of picking back um, on amy's uh about prenups as well is sometimes it, it's not always in the advantage of a party to enter into a prenup so i, I have a lot of girlfriends who think oh we you know my, my good friend she's a family law attorney I'm going to go to her and we're going to get this prenup um, done. And, and yeah, but I, I look at them and I say, you know, I love you. You're, you're like one of my very, very good friends, one of my longest friends, but you also don't work and your husband makes this much money or your future husband. So you have to think about it also. These, this is what the prenup would entail. This is what you would be giving up to. So do you want to be the first person to step in and say, let's get a prenup? I mean, if you want to, fine. If he wants to, great. I can go ahead and review it. But otherwise, 
is this in your advantage as well? But, um, and a second note too is, you know, one thing to think about is laws are constantly changing in California. So, you know, just to try to bring in like my own personal experience is my family, for instance, um, we have nursing home facilities. So my sister had married her husband. They didn't have anything, but they ended up going into the family law business. So at the time when they married, this would have been my sister's sole separate property, husband would have no interest whatsoever. But because laws have changed, in fact, um, there was a law that went into effect, I think it in 2021, where now that business actually is community property. So now her husband would be able and entitled to get one half of that. So that's one thing to consider in prenups um, is that, you know, laws constantly change and you may go into it thinking that, oh, okay, I, I don't care. Like, you know, this is what's going to happen. But a lot of times when you're getting divorced, you start thinking in panic mode that, well, wait a second, you know, my husband has all of these things. I gave up my rights to all of these things, um, you know, thinking that, oh, okay, everything is safe or vice versa too, where someone says, I love them. We're going to be safe. And maybe circumstances change. You guys have children. All of a sudden, maybe he's now a stay-at-home dad. You're now a stay-at-home wife. Who knows? But your finances might also change during the marriage as well. So it's really important to think about this is our position now when we're going into marriage. But this might be our position if we were to separate and get a divorce too. So, so for, mm -hmm. are you are you saying that if 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 you have the prenup in place and the law changes? To where it makes something community property i'm i'm kind of thinking back to your instance with your sister um, and your family businesses if the law if the prenups in place and the law changes are you still protected under the prenup it, it would really depend on what the terms of the prenup uh, you know are so uh that's what i'm saying is advantageous about getting a prenup you know before entering marriage of course is because you can outline that, you know, when you're getting a divorce or if you're getting a divorce, sorry, and, um, you know, you're both heated and you're both angry. Well, now you have this contract before you entered into the marriage that stipulates how these things are divided. You know, regardless of what the current laws are, you have this agreement that went into effect before the law even changed and you're safeguarded in that manner. I think also chiming in on Rose, uh, what she said, um, another reason why I chose not to get a prenup is because um, my fiance and I have similar earning capacities, so I feel safe in that regard. Um, I trust because we both we kind of match each other's ambitions, so I trust that we'll have around the similar, I guess, similar earning capacities in the future. So spousal support won't be an issue. And I have run DISO masters before on myself <laughs> at various stages of our relationships. We've been um, together for 10 years. So various stages, I've run DISO masters, I've been scared. Um, but I think if it were different, um, if I were with a partner who made a lot less than me, then I would definitely look more into a prenup than I am doing right now. And, and going off on that too, Jackie, um, when my husband first started, you know, I was a starting attorney, he was a starting pilot, and we made like drastically different salaries. So that was one of my situations too. When I actually married him, I didn't have a prenup. You know, my, my boss at the time was, Rose, if you need a prenup, I'll go ahead and draft one right now real quick, we'll sign it. <laughs> but um, I didn't enter prenup at the time. But I mean, I can say uh, getting married, that's been one thing too. If we have an argument, I mean, one time I art, my husband walked behind me because I was, you know, working while we were talking and you know, I was like, oh, I can't stand you anymore. And he saw I was running a DISA master, which is a program that calculates what would child and spouse support look like based on percentage and times. 
So he looked at me like, are you calculating how much you would have to pay me if we separate? I said, yeah, but you have to make this much money before I can leave you. (laughs) So, I mean, that's definitely something to consider um, as far as getting prenups and the fact that things change. I mean, as he makes more money, pilots, they tend to, they may make $50,000 in the beginning. And next thing you know, they're with a major and they're making, you know, over 200,000, 300,000. So, you know, definitely um, your situation changes. But I mean, as I was saying too, I didn't get a prenup when we first got married. But again, I mean, I have a lot of knowledge about the law too. So that's what's different between um, somebody that doesn't have a legal background, especially a family law legal background, because you know, they're going in blindly completely versus with me, I know what would happen if we separated. And it's kind of funny because we just bought a house together and um, our realtor was there, you know, our finance person was there and we were discussing it. And I had a house, you know, coming into marriage and my parents, you know, they, they, they gifted me funds for that too, for the new house. But I was sitting there telling him, well, I would get a reimbursement for my parents' gift and this is how the house would be divided. And, you know, it's going to be in my name, but every time you make a payment, you earn a little bit of interest. So, and our realtor was looking and, and our finance person like, does she really talk like this every single time? <laughs> But, you know, it's different because for us, we're constantly living in family laws. So in the back of our heads, we know that, you know, this is what's going to happen. This is what um, we need to do to protect ourselves versus, you know, like the pilot wise, if they don't have a legal background or an education, a legal education, they might not know. So it's highly advisable to speak with an attorney, even if you don't want to get a prenup, but just to understand where you might land, you know, if, you know, if, you know, that hopefully doesn't happen that you end up getting a divorce. But I'm rooting for all of our marriages. <laughs> yeah, I know. Me too. Definitely. Caitlin and Stephanie, I'm just curious, are children in the equation and or will they be in the equation? They will be for me anyways. Um, when I first started dating my wife, she it was I think it was our second date, told me she was freezing her eggs. She works for a big tech company in San Francisco that pays for it anyways. So um, one of the like early conversations we had, in addition to me, like helping her through this process, it's like, you know, super involved, three shots a day for two weeks. It's a whole to do. And then like a procedure, right, where they freeze the eggs or collect and freeze the eggs. Um, But one of the first conversations we had early on was, you know, should I put these eggs in your name? Or should I leave them to my sister or another family member? (laughs) Like, what happens if we don't get married? Or like, how are you going to use them if something ever happened to me? And so forth. So it's really, really, I knew from the start from dating her that she she wanted to have kids. Um, We have not gone down the road of picking a sperm donor yet. But eventually it will be uh, probably in the not so far off future um that we do end up having kids um but for the time being we got a pandemic puppy (laughs) and one of the things that i was thinking in the back of my mind is the leg up and she she like knew full well i was doing this and knew the reasons why i was doing it um when we registered the dog for insurance purposes and like county purposes everything's in my name (laughs) so dog ownership i was like yeah, this is a gift to me. I, the dog, if something ever happened to us, I'm keeping the dog. Uh, and she jokes about that on a regular basis. So for the time being, the puppy is our child. 
So for me, um, I do want to <laughs> endorse what Rose said that, yes, I think um, me and I'm speaking for Caitlin, too, but correct me if I'm wrong. I think we do t tend to um, <clears throat> or it's surprising to everybody that family law attorneys aren't getting prenups. But the reason why is because I know that if anything happens, <laughs> we know what's going to happen. Like we know that we know the law and we know who the good family law attorneys are if we need to hire somebody. Um, whereas, you know, my spouse, they'd be scrambling <laughs> and they'd have to pay all these attorney's fees. I would, you know, we would know better. Um, so that's also like kind of an insurance for us. Um, for me, um, kids, yes, that's in the question. Um, not this year, but um, not right after marriage, but soon, I would say. Um, we're looking for maybe like one or two. I said one. Um, my fiance wants two. So I'm warming up to that idea. But we'll see that that is um, in our plans. All right. So how then would a partner proceed now to enter into a divorce? So it's on the table, it's happening. What what advice do you have for them to prepare themselves emotionally, financially, their children, that type thing, assuming that they've taken it down the path that that's the next step? Uh, well, we'll just start off, Jackie, is, um, you know, when parties are getting a divorce, I, I always try to break it down and let my clients know too that, you know, um, not that I don't want to hear their problems, but you need to get a very good family law attorney who knows their stuff. And you also need to get a very good therapist as well. So as far as the family law attorneys go, we will handle your legal issues. So that way you can just deal with getting your life together, figuring out what is the next step. And, you know, if you have children, you can also figure out what are we going to do now and proceed forward with the kids. But it's really important to to have your network of support. I know with the pilot wise, we have a great network of support. We're always there for each other. Um, if we have any concerns, if we're going through divorces, that that's the first thing we do is we post on our little page. So <laughs> that's great. Also, and but again, I mean, it, it's it's a lot when you're going through divorce. I mean, I've I've done it twice. It was really taxing, and I knew exactly how the assets would be divided. I knew uh, with my first husband what timeshare was going to look like. I knew all those things. But at the same time, you really need to do a lot of self-care, tend to yourself, deal with um, any you know, mental issues, any emotional issues, whatever it may be. And it's really important to also get a therapist as well as a great attorney, too. But, um, but definitely, I, as far as financially goes, um, I would just say that a lot of the divorces that I have, especially when it comes to older divorces, where husbands are in control of the finances and the wives feel very comfortable. And I, I notice that that's a lot of uh, for pilots you know, and their spouses, that tends to be the situation as well, where the husband's making the money and the wife is at home taking care of the children, um, that a lot of times, you know, the, the wives, they want to leave, but they feel like they're stuck there as well because they don't have any of the accounts. And maybe they also think that all the money uh, belongs to the husband. So I, I think early on, it, it's really important to step in and know what your finances look like. Um, you know, look at, get joint accounts. I mean, you can have separate ones too, of course, but it really get in, know how much you're spending on the house, um, what, what does daycare look like, know your expenses. It's really important to be knowledgeable about what amount of money is coming in and what's going out, because I find that with divorces, it's really hard when you have a client who has no idea um, you know, about the accounts, how many accounts there are, what the investments look like. And the only thing that they know is, well, we have this, uh, this car, that car, and we, I think, you know, this is what we might owe on our house. So definitely get in and know what your finances look like. 
I was on a presentation recently where <clears throat> the, I don't know if this is true, but the average person before they file for divorce contemplates filing for divorce for over a year. Um, and I think during that year is a critical period, whether you're meeting with a mental health professional, have a therapist, are talking to your friends and family, trying to figure out the best way forward. I think it takes a lot of courage to pull the trigger. Um, and even after consulting with a family lawyer, you know, it takes some, some women, some people a, a while to say, okay, I'm ready to file the petition and go forward. And frankly, unfortunately, usually it takes some sort of precipitating event right? Um, whether it's financial or otherwise, uh, or some sort of custody issue where, you know, they're afraid and they need the, you know, petition filed right away and, and service effectuated right away so that their spouse doesn't find out and move money to, you know, offshore something, something. Um, or it's, you know, they find out about an affair and that's the, you know, final trigger that is, you know, the impetus for them choosing to file. But I think the, the, smartest decision you can make is to educate yourself um, about your own assets and liabilities, whether you're on the mortgage, you know, who's carrying the insurance policies and, and then consult with a lawyer. Um, and even if you don't choose to file, at least you'll be aware and educate yourself as to what you're entitled to. Is there specific documentation they should begin to gather? <laughs> I would, I would, I tell clients to gather any, if you receive paper copies of statements, gather as much as you can <laughs> for any accounts that are out there, um, including tax returns, uh, bank statements, credit card statements, anything that's in the house, I would say pull it. You know, I, I love the advice to know what you have. And I think, I mean, even at my age, I, I looked back and I remember thinking I was so much more savvy than my mom was in terms of knowing what was going on with finances and all of that. And then I reached a point where I thought, oh my gosh, like I, I've just been so busy, even though I've run my own business, I've been so busy raising kids and all of that. I kept thinking, I'll get to that tomorrow. I'm going to let him deal with that right now. And thankfully, so far, knock on wood, everything's worked out. But I, I think even today with as smart as we are as women and as advanced i don't don't know that that's the right word but you know we're more savvy today we're we're business builders and we we've got assets and we do a lot of that type thing um but it's still easy to default to letting that primary breadwinner we'll say that in in large part handle all of that so i'm glad that you're really pushing that point know what you have and also jackie i don't also think necessarily that um you know we you just default to the breadwinner too uh, in my situation, for instance, I, I'm just absolutely busy. I mean, sometimes um, I, I have like my high peaks where I have a lot of things going on. Sometimes it's very relaxed, but I know that when we were purchasing our home, for instance, I didn't have a lot of time. And I, at one point I just told my husband, look, you're, you're good. You know how to invest. This is your area. This is your forte. I need you to run along with this because I just don't have time. But, you know, and I, I realize also um, that, okay, that's a lot of trust there too, but still stop in the day when you get the mail, open up your bank accounts and see what is going on. I mean, somebody may be more savvier when it comes to finances, but regardless, I, take the time to stop and look at your account, see if there's anything funny. I mean, don't, don't bank on it, don't try to expect it, but just know exactly what your financial status is at that time. 
And then a question, I know Rose, you and I chatted about this and I did get permission to, to ask this question, but it's from a pilot wife who's going through a divorce, no kids, married close to 20 years. Um, they own vacation rental properties, some a, a restaurant stuff in Mexico. There's a lot of different things. And, you know, she's just trying to figure it all out. She's in desperate need of looking for someone. And she's not in this area. She's in Dallas or not in California. She's in Dallas. But I'm just curious if you have any of you have any advice in terms of um, where she starts and what to do. And, and she's in a very fragile state emotionally through all of this. Um, so in that type of situation, I remember that the, you had sent over the email to me. So I'm, I'm gathering attorneys in the area also. But um, like I said, like I just said, you, you need to find an attorney who is experienced with your particular type of situation. So she's dealing with, um, you know, a foreign country, get an attorney who's familiar with what's called the hate convention so that they understand, um, you know, will, will, will Mexico accept my subpoena? Will, um, you know, will they accept if we divorced here in America, would they also acknowledge, you know, as far as assets go, would they acknowledge any type of contract that we made here in America? So it's really important that you're able to find an attorney who's familiar with the international aspects of your case. But as far as everything else, and go ahead and chime in, Amy, Caitlin, Stephanie, um, as far as if there's assets that are overseas, again, it's really important for you just to see what is available in your home before you go wild and out and you get an attorney to just like try to do all this discovery for you to figure out all of what, all of what you know, the international assets are. Look at home, see if you're able to find things yourself, look at your taxes, see if they're noted on the taxes. Um, but then again, you know, try to find an attorney as well who's very familiar with that country or not even the country, but just international law itself and try and determine, you know, can I issue a subpoena and would that country actually recognize it? Yeah, I um, we had a really complex high asset case where, um, where we did an 11 week trial in California, but the court was applying the law of Texas. And so we had a phenomenal um, attorney, and I can't remember if he's from Houston or Dallas, but he's one of the most well-known attorneys in Texas and in the country, family law attorneys. So I'll give you, I'll, pla I'll pass that along to you, Rose. I'm trying to look for it right now. Jackie, I apologize. I have an 11 o'clock that I need to pop off for, but it was Thank lovely you, talking Caitlin. to you. Good luck with the puppy and everything else. Thank you. <laughs> yeah, and that's awesome. That would be great. And I let her know I would pass on anything that I could glean from that. And I know one of her questions, one of the questions was, you know, she's being left destitute. Now, I don't know how that works. I mean, you hear those stories of bank accounts being drained. How, how can that actually happen? And how do you protect, not, not even protect yourself, but how do you get money back when that's happened? Can that be a, a quick fix with the court basically saying, look, you can't you can't leave this person penniless? Um, I mean, that's really more a state specific how um, every state handles that. I mean, I can answer from the perspective what California would do, for instance. And like I said before, I've had a lot of um, a lot of clients that are wives that don't believe that they have any access to the accounts whatsoever. So in California uh, themselves, we have statutes where uh, if there's a disparity in the income of the parties, then, and of course, both the parties can, um, you know, one spouse may be able to afford it better, that they would be charged with, you know, wife's attorney's fees and costs, so long as it's reasonable. 
But, um, you know, and again, it's about knowing what your finances are and then also being able to say, okay, no, I need to find an attorney. But there's also some attorneys too, for instance, that would step in, um, you know, and, and just allow it. If they see what your husband's finances, or I mean, of course, both your parties' finances are, they would say, okay, you know, that, that's fine. We can go ahead and file and we'll ask for attorney's fees and costs then because more than likely the judge is going to grant it and you'll have money to um, go ahead and start the legal proceeding. So that as far as attorney's fees and costs go in California, there are uh, remedies to help you with that situation. And as far as alimony and child support goes, every state has their own type of calculation. So here in California, um, you know, it, it's based on parenting time, uh, what the party's incomes are, and also there are, um, you know, certain offsets too. For instance, if you have to travel for your visitation time, maybe if someone's paying um, interest on the house, the mortgage interest, or even, you know, tuition if the kids go to private school. So it's very state specific, but then again, I mean, there's always um, assistance as far as trying to get alimony and child support while the divorce is pending. I'm entering into the chat, the law firm that I would recommend. I worked with them, this, this guy extensively. He's phenomenal, really knowledge, knowledgeable. Um, Great, I will make sure that that goes into the show notes for right. sure right. so that they can access that. And I'll, I'll get that over to her immediately. Um, right. So, because this won't go live for just a little bit, but anyway. Um, okay, so how does, a, how a kind of final question before we wrap up, how, how do you recommend that from state to state, how does one go about beginning to even educate themselves? Is it is it a really, a case of like kind of word of mouth, do you start asking around, like how do you educate state to state and begin finding that attorney who might be a fit for you? Uh, well, just start off, Jackie, if, if I could just um, chime in real quick is, um, I see a lot of people, they go through Google, they also go through, um, you know, their posts on Facebook. Don't do that. Just absolutely don't. I, I've had clients come in and they give me law. Well, in, you know, I saw a post or I, I read an article and this is what they said. And I say, okay, well, let me see the article. And I say, well, that was New Jersey. So definitely um, don't try to go to your friends because every case is different from each other. A lot of laws are in nuances too. A family law is going to be very different based on your situation and also even your locality sometimes. So I would just say, if you're considering getting a divorce, do try to get legal counsel, sit down, get a consultation first, figure out what exactly is, um, you know, what the ramifications may be when you get a divorce. And, you know, whoever you're consulting with too will tell you, these are the things that you need to start gathering if you really want to go forward with this process. I was just going to jump in um, two things. The best way to sort of start educating yourself is actually go to the court website in the county in which you live. And they'll have tons of like sort of self-help stuff. I think that's the best place to go because it's the real deal. Um, to find an attorney, ask another professional. You might not know a family law attorney. You might know a real estate attorney. Ask a professional that you really respect. Don't go on Google. Don't do all that stuff, even though we have extremely good reviews on Google and, you know, tons of five stars. I just, I would not personally look for a professional that way. I would ask a professional that I respect um, and they might not know a family law attorney, but they'll know someone who will. And that's the way to get a good referral and talk to three people. You know, I would talk to two or three people and find, cause you want to, you want to feel comfortable. 
with the person that you choose. All right, awesome. So how do, um, for those in California, um, and who may want to take advantage of your free 30 minute consultation and all of that, how do we find more about you? And again, I'll have it in the show notes, but tell us a little bit about contacting the Laughlin Law Group. Yeah, sure. So um, you can go to our website, which is www.laughlinlegal.com, um, just like it sounds. And um, there's actually, you can read about all the different attorneys there, look at someone who might you know, be a good fit. And then just uh, click the contact button. It's just right there. So you can click the contact button and it'll send you a little form to fill out or you can call directly and the phone number's up there. And we do have someone answering the phone directly from the office. So yeah, we look forward to, to meeting anyone that we might be able to assist. Awesome. Well, I, you guys have been a wealth of information. Any final thoughts? Um, well, you know, coming from the pilot wife perspective, uh, I, I wouldn't necessarily be just considering divorce uh, when you enter into a marriage. And also with pilots, don't just think that because, well, statistics are high, that my spouse is going to cheat on me as well. But at the same time, um, do you know what your finances are? And if you are considering divorce, consider us too. I would just wish everybody a happy 2022 and a very successful relationship this year. If not, call us. <laughs> and Stephanie? I would second those two points. Um, enjoy your year. Uh, it's just started and it should be a good one. Hopefully it's better than the last two. But if you need help, again, like Rose said, give us a call. <laughs> All right. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thanks a lot for having us, Jackie. Thank you, Jackie. Thank you, Jackie. So there you have it. Some great legal tips and concepts to explore. And again, just as a reminder, none of that was considered legal advice. So it's important that you do your due diligence, you do your research, check the show notes. I will have all of the contact information and the details that were shared in the show notes um, so that you can easily reference it. I'll see you on the next show. And of course, if you do have any comments, any specific questions, reach out to the law group, um, reach out to me. I post this out on the, in the Facebook pilot wife groups. I post it on Instagram. You can follow me, uh, pilot wife podcast over on Instagram specifically. Um, I'm still Jackie Elmer over on Facebook, but if you have specific questions after this, I would love to get those answered. Have a great day. If you like what you're hearing on the show, grab the Pilot Wife Checklist at pilotwifechecklist.com. And if you have a topic suggestion or a story to share on the show, go to ask.pilotwifepodcast.com. Share the show with any pilot wives, military wives, or anyone in aviation you know who might share and benefit from this similar experience. I'll see you on the journey.